There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to The Woke Man series. Ladies and gentlemen, tuning in, we're well over the halfway mark of this audio case study. The greatest case study on man painting the picture of the conscious journey and what that looks like. I just want to send you all love out there right now who are tuning in, who may be just starting this healing journey, starting this journey this conscious journey, starting to shift out of your old environment into a new environment and don't really know where to go, this is the aim here. We're we're here with these men helping you shift and make that shift a lot easier. And today, I'm with a good friend, work brother, conscious man, beautiful man, Cam McDougall. Brother, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, my friend. Happy to be here. First question is, my man, where did you grow up and where do you live now? So I grew up right close to you right now in uh, the east side of Vancouver, downtown proper. And I'm now just on Lake Huron in a small town in Ontario called Wasaga Beach, about an hour and a half north of Toronto. And you did a bit of traveling in between these two locations. You went down to the southern hemisphere and where I met you in Bali, yeah? Mm-hmm. How was that? How was that? Was that a good journey for you down there? Uh, it was amazing. Spent about two years in Bali, just kind of enjoying everything that it has to offer from the fruit to the depth to the amazing humans that we get to connect with. Yeah, it was a it was a special journey for sure. Beautiful, brother. How old are you now? I'm 34. Yeah, lovely, man. And mm-hmm. what are you doing for a living? I am by trade a high performance coach but what i call myself is more of a balanced performance coach i teach people how to blend spirituality with fitness and particularly strength training to really kind of find a new level of performance that drawing on too much yang can't really produce Mm, beautiful we've we've um i've been following you for a while now we did another podcast on the feeling alive podcast about mm-hmm. how you're ch- making shifts in this in in the uh, fit, health and fitness world, right? 
and mm-hmm. you also incorporate breath into into your practice is that right for sure yeah the the foundational kind of pillars i guess to the embody fit method that i roll out are breathe flex feel transform so mm-hmm. breath work conscious flexing feeling so meditation visualization learning to speak with the body and ultimately inner and outer transformation yeah i love that and i love seeing where you're at now and knowing your personal journey of how you've got mm. there and it's like this is not who you were always were and that's why i love hearing <laughs> no. these stories man it's beautiful brother it's beautiful mm-hmm. um what's one exactly. thing you're really good at it's mm. a good question one thing i'm really good at i'm really good at working a room of people and working with energy so taking what one person might be saying and making it very relatable to another person and creating what i like to call almost a human orchestra of kind of growth and development Mm. that's what i'd say i'm really good at i love that man and how would you how have you done that recently in because i know you've done a a bit of work a few workshops and stuff like that and and you also with your beautiful partner vic in awaken is that sort of the environment that you're talking about? Yeah, so workshops are a great example. Definitely COVID has changed that. Like one of my favorite things in the whole world is to be working with a group of people in the flesh. So right now I've been I've been running my Embody Lean Transformation Program, which is an online experience, a 16-week experience to teach people about what I do. And in that we have group coaching sessions where, you know, it'll be me coaching, you know, anywhere from 15 to to 16, 17 people in one setting to just kind of like analyze and shift and, and, and move them through their journey. So that's the closest thing I get to right now, COVID, you know, post COVID. Um, so I'm missing the, 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 the big numbers of people that were coming to workshops and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that. It's something about that group dynamic where everyone's sort of helping each other and or supporting sure. each other on that on that path. Mm-hmm. Eh? Yeah, it's beautiful. What's one of your biggest fears right now? Mm. Right now, I would say that the world is shifting towards an extreme digital platform. And as somebody that's so connected to the human energy body and how our bodies interact outside of the mind. I'm definitely fearful or cautious of the fact that a lot of human connection is going to be challenged in the next couple of years. And we have a lot of work to do to kind of get back to, if we ever can, the way that we were of interacting with one another. so I guess I'm kind of fearful that human connection is being threatened at this point in time on a, on a, on an energy body standpoint, mm-hmm. as opposed to connectivity yeah, just through zoom and stuff like this. Yeah. Totally. There's that transmission, you know, I was only reading the other day of, um, gut, gut health. Actually funny. We're talking about this. I was reading mm-hmm. two days ago about gut health and, um, simply just being in nature helps rebuild the microbiome. There was a, a, sure. a article on that and I was like, man, it's just so much about just being in person or being in nature, you know, because right now mm-hmm. we are, we're confined, you know, getting out of quarantine right now. 
uh, sitting through screens. Like you can't have that transmission. So I totally connect with mm-hmm. that, bro. Mm-hmm. What's one of your rewilding, favorite quotes? right? Rewilding, yeah. rewilding. Yeah, yeah. What's one of your favorite quotes, man? I'd say the one that really resonates the most with me and and my journey is we must first be broken before the light shines through. Um, that one has always really resonated with my path and where I've come from. And I can't even remember who, who said it originally, mm. but it just, it really, really is always in the forefront of my mind. It's a reminder of how I got to where I am. Just through your own adversity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like that, man. It's beautiful. What's a conscious man to you? Mm. It's a conscious man to me. I'd say a conscious man to me is a man that is well versed in both masculine and feminine energy. One that embodies both masculine and feminine energy and one that's really in touch with, you know, the, the five bodies of being, i.e. the physical, the energetic, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. So someone that's very in tune with kind of all aspects of physical and, and, and spiritual existence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that, man. And, you know, I was recollecting some data from all these interviews and I've written these 10 qualities of a conscious man based off what we've been pulling out of this. And the, the 10th is a man who embodies masculine and feminine energy. So it's come up quite a bit, which is beautiful. That was Mm -hmm. the first thing that you've said. What do you, what to you is, uh, and how would you embody sort of, because a lot of people listening might not really understand feminine energies. And I know when I first learned about it, I went, someone's heard, I heard someone talk about like the masculine and feminine in your, in your body. And it's like the left and the right of the body. I'm like, the fuck do they mean by that? And so I went and Googled mm-hmm. it and like, I'm, you know, so for those people listening now and who don't know it, how would you explain the difference between the masculine and feminine energies in the body? It's mm, a great question as well. So when I think of, you know, and I'll, I'll try and paint a bit of a picture then without using sexes, because I don't necessarily think they're even that represented in the, you know, the physical sexes, I would say, you know, the, the quote unquote masculine energy is a very intense, overdrawn, rebellious, aggressive energy. So it's one that, you know, it's like, I almost call it kind of the 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 loud get shit done kind of approach so mm-hmm. it's like a very kind of aggressive intense hoorah run into battle holding my sword kind of energy um and i'd say the feminine energy is one of more kind of the silent wise approach one that's a lot more in inward one that's a lot more in tune with emotion one that's a lot more empathetic and can feel other people and can really, really truly live powerfully inward and, and, and understand and navigate the world of emotion, the world of introspection and the world of softness, Mm. right? That to me is, is what really defines it. It's more of the, the soft inward, 
almost passive approach in a sense where it's, it doesn't have to be this in your face, overdrawn kind of intensity. That's how mm. I see it. I love that, man. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful explanation. What's, uh, what's one thing that challenges you right now? Hmm. One thing that challenges me right now. One thing that challenges me right now on a, on a, on a deeper level, I think is this feeling of always needing to be on, you know, there's this because of technology, because of social media, because of what we build, there's this, this requirement or this kind of like, you know, almost robotic kind of need in our communities and, and in kind of the world to create what we're creating in order to always be on. It's like, we always have to be showing our lives on social media. We always have to be ready for our clients. We always have to be kind of like at the becking call of some form of demand. And for me, I feel like this is a prime example of the, the question that you just asked me of, of an overdrawn masculine energy and overdrawn yang or, or yang, if you want to call it. Um, and I feel like right now that's, that's challenging me in a sense where it's like, well, sometimes I just want to disconnect. Sometimes I just want to be 100% in my own world. Yet the way the systems are set up with algorithms and, and you know, that whole game, it's like, mm -hmm. it's like we almost get punished for that. And so for me right now, I'm kind of like, how dare you punish me for wanting to, you know, take care of myself and not post and cater to a fucking algorithm, you know? <laughs> um, so, so there's a part of me that's kind of dealing with that right now, especially as I'm building yeah. and growing and, and my business is getting very busy and I'm, you know, a lot of stuff is happening, which I'm eternally grateful for, but there is this part where it's kind of like, yeah, you know, why, why are you trying to take every minute of every day that I have of conscious, you know, awakening? So, bro, yeah. totally fucking relate with that, man. And, and I think mm -hmm. a lot of, and uh, uh, more so because it's like taking that break off social media when you're trying to build a following or, you know, the mm -hmm. algorithm doesn't support inconsistent action, but mm -hmm. it, the universe doesn't, or the, the, the human body doesn't support consistent persistent no. action on digital not robots right? yeah yeah ah oh, man i just took yeah. a week off last week and yeah it just hits you it's like and i was mm -hmm. talking to danielle about this i was like she goes well isn't the algorithm just the universe i mean like can you not see mm -hmm. it as like the universe just giving you a bit of a break or sending you on another path or pausing you or waiting you know like and because mm -hmm. you know you see these stories and you hear these stories of uh, people wanting people just blowing up out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. You know, I watched mm -hmm. that Dr. Sean Stevenson guy. You know that guy, that little guy. He had the bone disease. He's died. He died now. He was like, mm -hmm. he said, "You're just one video away from being viral. Like, don't don't give up, but also mm -hmm. like, don't kill yourself in the process." Mm -hmm. And so that's where I've been, and I'm just adding on, on sort of where you're at because I'm exactly where you're at too, man. And mm -hmm. I think at some point now I've got to just be like. Just trust. Just mm -hmm. trust. It's okay. We're doing our best because we're trying to bring through mm -hmm. a new, and you would agree here, we're trying to bring through a new way of living. You know, you talk about it saying a balanced performance coach, not a high performance mm -hmm. coach. That's a new way of being. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how can we integrate 
connection on the digital world with also connection to ourselves in the real world. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. And Victoria and I are, are figuring that out in, in some really cool ways. So we're definitely, we're definitely like we're rebels, right? So mm-hmm. we'll figure out a way to make it happen. Like we don't like, like I personally don't like being told what to do, even if it's a, you know, cyborg algorithm trying to do it, I'll figure out a way to beat that thing. You know what I mean? So, so, you know, I'll hire people to, to go in and post stuff that want the work that want to work when I don't want to work, you know? So yeah. there's, there's always ways to, to figure it out, but yeah, it's definitely challenging for, for sure, sure but for there's sure. always a way around it. I love, sure. it, bro. I love it. Mm-hmm. What does unconditional love mean to you? Mm. See, that's a funny one for me because I think love is just love and conditions are conditions and therefore unconditional love doesn't really exist in my books because in my opinion, love is, is always unconditional. Love just is, you know, and, and um, I think when people say there's conditional love, it's not love. They just have conditions that are adhering to some sort of program that's masking some sort of pain Mm -hmm. in a sense. And where there's pain, there is no love. So for me, unconditional love isn't really a thing. I think love is love. Conditions are conditions. And that's kind of where I draw my line in the sand there. Man, first time it's been said like that. And it just makes so much sense to me. I really love that perspective, Mm -hmm. bro. I'm going to quote that one and put it on Instagram. I did one of Timmy's just recently and he said something very similar. So I'll put that on Instagram. Mm -hmm. That's a good one, man. Do you believe in a greater power and what is that to you? Yeah, most definitely do. Most definitely do. (laughs) What about power is okay. okay, So before we we answer this, what about, did you use, did you always believe in it? Like in that unwoke part of your life, you know, the the young Cam. Yeah. The unwoke. I like that. So, for, you know, the funny thing is, and I'll tell you, like when I was a kid, I, um, I didn't grow up religious. I didn't, uh, I didn't grow up in a, in a, in an environment where I went to church or like read about, you know, Jesus or, or my parents weren't even inherently very spiritual. They, they are on the depths. They just don't know how spiritual they really are. Um, but it wasn't really communicated to me. And since I can remember, dude, like, honestly, since I can remember, and this is how I know they're there. I used to, I used to pray. And what I would say when I would go to bed at night is I would close my eyes and I would say, I don't know what to call you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you are. I'm just going to listen to the next sound. And that's what I'm going to call you. And I would just listen. And if I heard a car or a rustling bush or a cat or whatever, I was like, okay, that's you speaking to me. That's, that's what I'm calling you tonight. (laughs) And then I would just say, please look over my family. Please look over me. You know, and, and it was very rudimentary. I was like, you know, I was five-year-old kid, um, but I would always, every single night before I would go to sleep, I would check in with this higher power. Mm. So I don't really know what to call it. I never have spirit, God, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, people deem is all good in my books, but you know, there, there's, there's a way higher intelligence that our little monkey brains can't even begin to comprehend yet so that's how so i believe true, it <laughs> yeah i agree with you man and it's interesting to see the like this has been an answer that's had a hundred percent response like yes 
And it's just interesting to see what they think that is to them and what that is. You know, we've had some people that are devout Christians here and and not and never been religious like yourself. It's just, man, you connect once you connect to nature. You know, I'm looking at the trees mm-hmm. now. Once you connect to this shit and you realize, man, this world is hanging in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. with no strings attached. It's just suspended by some force. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. And here we are, these little these little earthly beings doing our thing, totally. figuring it out. It's beautiful. You know, and most definitely, and all you have to do is look at nature, right? Like, like look at, you know, I, I love looking at leaves. I look at leaves and I look at the like symmetry and the perfection mm. of that, of that leaf or like a snowflake, oh, you know? And it's yeah. like, you look at a snowflake and, and it's like, humans can't make that. We, we can't create that, yeah. you know? So you look at dark matter, want to go into a portal, start looking at dark matter, I haven't right? looked at like, dark matter. Man, like it, they don't know what it is. They have no idea. They can't explain it. So it's like, you just, you just go deep into that. And it's like, the universe is full of it. And it's like, yeah. we can't even begin to explain these things. Yeah. So it's, you know, whatever it is created our minds, <laughs> you know, and humans think that we're the smartest thing. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Funny no, enough, no, no. Yeah. We, we can't build a human brain. <laughs> yeah. I agree. And, that, and then we're trying to with these robots, but like, we just can't. And that's the beautiful thing. It's like, but from two single cells that you can't even see unless under a microscope come together to create us in nine months. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Hey, when you think I about know, that, man. you're just like, dude. Mind blowing, dude. Yeah. I love that, bro. And let's get into your conscious journey now. That's the, that's the quick fire done and dusted. First question here, man. What, explain to us what the unwoke can look like in life and how does that compare to who you are today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I want to say is that like, and this is just my belief system is that none of us are truly like unconscious. We're just like, we're just in this, in this place of learning and we haven't learned it yet. You know? So that. when I go back, when I go back and I look at, I look at myself, kind of in that unwoke state or that learning state, you know, I was, I was, I was just full of pain. You know, I was, uh, you know, I was a drug dealer. I was, you know, a violent human. I was in and out of juvenile detention. I was insecure. I was egotistical. I thought that I was the shit and I would do anything to prove that I was that. Um, you know, so, so for me, I had kind of, I had, you know, two evolutions of that. I had one when I was, you know, uh, a young kind of teen that was very, very lost. And then I had a massive awakening and fell back into it as a reformed finance executive, you know, living a life that society deemed as perfect. And, and I was just, I was just out of touch with who I was and didn't want to look at the pain that was covering up who I was. So I masked it with a whole bunch of shit that caused even more pain. Mm. And thus the cycle continued. Mm. Um, so that's kind of my quick response to that. Yeah. And so your behaviors, I mean, you were like fight. We, we say you took quite a, lot of, a lot of pain. Was that emotional or physical pain on others? Yeah, all kinds of stuff, man. I was, uh, you know, I was deemed a serious violent offender when I was a teen, right? I, they put me in a psych ward to make sure I wasn't a sociopath, you know, like 
they, they're, you know, I went on a journey as a teen before I was, you know, I had my 18th birthday in jail. Um, you know, people telling me that I, I couldn't do so many things because I was, you know, a nutcase. Um, so yeah, I inflicted a lot of pain on others. I inflicted a lot of pain on myself, but the thing was, is that, and this is why I know that there was a part of me inside that was, 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 you know, in tune and awake, but it was just drowned out by so much pain and darkness because when I wasn't causing pain or doing something very, very aggressive or violent or, or wrong, I knew it was wrong. I felt it was wrong. But my ego and my anger and this kind of like, you know, almost demonic possession of me made me do it anyways. Mm. No. You know, and that's why for me, just before, and for me, like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't judge anyone by what they've done because it's not who they are. You know, I can sit with a murderer and look at you, look at that murderer and be like, you're a fucking good person. You just have pain and no need, no way to deal with it because I, you know, I've been there. Right. I, I, I totally agree, bro. Totally agree. Yeah. And what looking at back at, you know, your own journey and looking back at that younger version of yourself, why was that? Why was that young man so troubled, so hurt? Mm. Well, so we could get into like the, the applications of this lifetime, you know, like I think that a lot of it is karmic. I think that a lot of it is chosen. I think that I came and embodied in this, this current vehicle to learn the things that I've learned, to live the way that I've lived because that's what I signed up for on a soul level, mm. you know, on a cosmic level, but on a more physical, practical level, um, you know, like I think for me, it was just, I never really felt accepted. You know, my parents split up when I was, you know, I think two years old or three years old, they got divorced. So my first memory as a human being is crying on a bed because my parents were telling me that they weren't going to be living together. Um, and it wasn't necessarily, you know, that, that was the, the, the worst part. It was more like jumping back and forth from house to house, mm. my mom building her business, not really having time for me, me getting raised by friends because she was so busy. My dad, mm. you know, left to work overseas when I was like, you know, when I was about 15, 16, you know, I lived on my own when I was 16 years old. So I was you know, my, my mom couldn't have me there because she had another child and I was getting arrested and in too much trouble. My dad couldn't have me because, you know, he was moving away. Mm. And I just never really felt like I had a place or really people in my life that truly gave a shit, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. Like I came from a, you know, both my, my parents are well off and I, they had money when I was older, not when I was younger, but it was more like the lack of connection you know, the lack of human interaction. So I found that deep connection in gangsters. I found that deep connection in other kind of like, almost like forgotten about children, you know, and, and in that, in those connections, I found like brotherhood. And I found like, I was like, yo, I'm like, I've never felt this before. Like I will fucking die for you. You know, nobody else has shown me this undying care. So it was like, they became my family and you'll do anything for your family at that point. 
And so that pain of me, like not having the support and the love and the nurture that, you know, I, I deserved as a child, I found that elsewhere and that elsewhere was not a good place. And so it just kind of perpetuated. Yeah. 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 And I can relate with this, but it's, it seems like a, l- a lack of nurture and not from anyone's mm. fault, just them doing their best, but la- sure. lack of nurture has pushed you down that path, but obviously meant to learn from it. Like you say, karma sure. and growing into who mm-hmm. you are now. I know, you, I know you now, but explain the difference and, and sort of some of the main characteristics of how you show up today. You know, we were just talking before, you know, how intentional you eat and, you know, having prayer before dinner and blessing your food. It's so different to that young gangbanger, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. I think now it's like, because I've, I've done so much wrong, you know, quote unquote wrong in society's terms, I just appreciate life and I appreciate beings and I appreciate moments so you know don't get me wrong i still get pulled into the shit right i'm still human and i get stressed out and i you know i go through those motions but but when it comes to like you know we'll use meat as an example you know that we were just talking about for me it's like you know i bless the shit out of that animal because i am so grateful that that animal you know died for my nourishment like how ridiculous is that like that thing's whole life is over for you know 24 hours of my nourishment and that to me is <laughs> is mind-blowing so i appreciate that and i respect that animal and i honor that animal and you know i can't eat vegan because it doesn't work for me yet you know hopefully one day but then i look at like bugs and i look at creatures and i look at you know all these different beings humans and it's like we're all just doing the best we can. And so I try to live as much from a place of gratitude and excitement. You know, I'd use the word love, but I feel like we use that too much in the spiritual community. I've, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, looking at it from a place of excitement, like, wow, that thing's alive. That tree's alive. This lake is great. You know, these trails are awesome. This business is great. My clients are great. This conversation mm-hmm. around on this podcast is so cool. You know, we're across the country. And we're just creating content, you know, it's like living from a place of excitement and gratitude, as opposed to a place when I was younger of like scarcity, pain, fear, you know, ego trying to prove myself. So it's, it's really fostering excitement and, and joy for life. And um, I love it. Man. I love it. I love the journey. What's your, what was your biggest vice? You talked about drugs, alcohol. What was your biggest vice in that unwork period? My biggest vice, Hmm. yeah, it would have been cocaine Mm. for sure. You know, like straight up, um, for me that, that most definitely, man, that was, (laughs) you know, I'm a, I'm a high octane person that really, really likes to, to get things going. Like I send my mountain bike hard. I send my skis hard. I climb mountains (laughs) hard. I, I do everything hard. So, you know, when someone was like, yo, dude, you can, you can go out to the bar hard. I'm like, whoo, let's go. Right. So that was, that was definitely my vice and it, it ruined relationships. It, uh, you know, it got me into fights. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a big one for sure for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about the emotion side of things? Which one challenged you most in that same period? Anxiety, shame, guilt, fear, anger, sadness. Hmm. It's hard to distill because it's like all of them were present, you know? Um, 
I would say the biggest one for me was anxiety. That, that for me has been a battle my whole life has been dealing with this kind of like fluttery feeling of not being okay. So I think that that was my biggest challenge. Now that manifests into fear and anger and sadness and depression and all those things. So, but that was kind of where it all came from. It was this underlying sense of like, I'm not okay. Yeah. Was that connected to something that you experienced in your life, like a past experience? I think that it comes from, you know, not feeling grounded. Like I was, you know, back and forth from house to house until I was like, you know, 13. So for all my developmental years, I was like being thrown around like a friggin', you know, mm. beanbag. Um, so it's like one week, one house, one week, another, two weeks at one, two weeks at the other, just never really feeling like I was anchored yeah. at, in one spot. Um, but yeah. triple, you know, in, in, you know, getting cosmic and getting deeper on one of my Vipassanas, I had a, a super powerful kind of moment where I don't know if it was past life or, or what happened, but something came through really, really, really thick, which was like, you know, a very unsafe, scared child kind of locked away. And, and I don't know where that came from. I don't know if it was my shadow coming out to say what's up or if it was like remembering a past life, something like that. But it was like, I was in a very bad situation and it was very, very scary. And I felt all those feels oh, yeah. and it, it felt very similar to that. So interesting. Interesting. Who, who knows? I've been paying. I've been paying a little bit of attention to past life regressions and past life actions recently. I haven't dived too deep, but I've got a book coming. But it's um, there's mm. definitely more to it, man. And I know there's a lot of spiritual sure. teachers and a lot of the people that I've followed for a while now that talk a lot about the power of realizing that and connecting into that. Mm. Have you ever done that? I've never done one. I've had them offered, and I haven't. I haven't acted, and that's something that you just mentioned it again. So. It's been coming up more and more lately, so I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow that up. Yeah, you know, um, Ralph, what's his name? Ralph Smart, the Infinite Waters yeah. guy. Yeah, he he had it on one of his lives one day, and he was talking about it, and he looked at his like because he's got like a YouTube Gold Award, and yeah. he was saying like he was he was literally saying like I know that this was I knew that this was coming. Why? Because I have done the work to understand all my different past lives mm. and this was connected in all of them. You know, he went back to saying he was like a, an Egyptian pharaoh or something and he had gold, surrounded by gold back in the day. Mm. Because it's always shown. But once you know it, you can reproduce it in your next life if you choose Powerful. It. And I was like, damn, man, that's deep. I love it. So mm. ever since then, I've been like, okay, got to go there. And it's, it's similar to you. It's been coming up a bit. Um. How's that anxiety now, bro? Have you found that you've like got ways to manage that or is it coming up as much as it used to or have you let that go, found forgiveness for those experiences? Mm, great question. Well, I was on antipsychotic Ciprolex for many years, so it's definitely gotten better. And I was able to get off of those through meditation, breath work, movement, kind of the stuff that I build and teach people how to do now. Um, so it's, you know, it's night and day. But it, it still creeps in. And um, one time I was taught by a therapist, many, one of many therapists I had in the past. And um, he said to me, he said, your anxiety is like the kind of gauge. And he says, when, when your anxiety gets high, you can tell that you're overdrawing yourself. 
that you can tell that you're not really listening to kind of, you know, your body and, and what's taking place. So now I, I notice my anxiety and I use it as a gauge. So when my anxiety pops up, it's like, okay, time to take a step back, time to do a two hour morning practice, time for some pranayama, time for some shaking, time for some toning, time to move the energy, shake the energy. So it definitely creeps back in. Um, and it, and it really creeps back in, in, in some situations over others. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, now I have the tools to shift it and it lasts, you know, much less time than it ever did before, depending on how intense it is. I love that, bro. What, what, what mm -hmm. would you know? What triggers it at the moment? Like when you get it, that what, is mm -hmm. there something that particularly triggers it? Yeah, for me, a lot of it's health funnily enough. And that's kind of, I think why I do what I do, right. I'm so connected to health and when my health is compromised, I definitely feel it come up the most. Um, so if I'm, you know, if I'm feeling like I'm really tired all the time and I can't perform in the way that I want to perform, I'll start getting anxious, right. I'll start drawing on those adrenals. I'll start pulling on, you know, those things that we want to keep chilled and, and actually just go into the rest and recovery. So for me, it's like this expectation of my performance levels and being realistic with them and listening to the body. So when I know my anxiety is coming up, it's, it's, I know I'm not listening to the body and I'm it's just beautiful. kind of like, I'm not paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely take something out of that. I've noticed some pockets of anxiety coming up recently mm -hmm. and I was like, no, I don't have anxiety. I've never really had anxiety. And then I, I was talking about this feeling that I get sometimes. I don't know if you got this, but being being real here right now, um, I feel like there's these moments where, like, I've gone, I've lost it, like I've gone, like I've gone mm -hmm. loopy, I've gone crazy, mm -hmm. I've gone for sure. Something's gone like, oh, bit on. You like, it feels like I'm a bit like on the edge here. And mm. then I was explaining that to um, someone the other day, and she's like, "That sounds like anxiety," and I was like, mm. "What?" Really? Mm -hmm. And I was just like, holy shit. And yeah, I've been having, I have those quite like, not, not often, but like once every couple of weeks or something, I'll get it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty insane. And, and the feeling sure. is intense, man. It's mm -hmm. intense. So I'm taking that out of it, of like what you just said is you're not listening mm -hmm. to your body enough. And funny enough, after I had those experiences, I spent uh, the whole next day just in nature. Mm -hmm. And perfect. It was profound. So good, mm -hmm. man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you get yeah, that? Like, I, is that is that a similar feeling? Like, it's almost like a a crazyish sort of feeling, a craziness. For sure, for sure. Well, I kind of I feel like I live in that sometimes. Like, I, I'm just kind of like, for me, I, I feel like you know, especially the the cosmic shit that oh, Victoria man. and I can get into. Sometimes I'm just kind of like, you know, what is reality? Ooh, um, yeah. On on the flip side. For me, it's less of a kind of mind manifestation as much as it is like a chest. So like my, I start to get like my chest starts squeezing in, my breath gets kind of like interrupted and then my mind starts going around in wild stories. Mm. And then I'm kind of just like, oh, I'm, I'm dying. You know, this is it. I'm, I'm transcending. I'm, I'm leaving this, this current mm. physical plane of existence. <laughs> and I just kind of drift off into that. So I totally feel what you're saying. In yeah. a sense, I think my manifestation might be a little different. And that's the thing yeah. with anxiety is it can, it can manifest in so many different ways, but, yeah. um, I guess yeah, I grounding, getting coming back down to the earth oh, and, and getting better nature. Eh? That 
you know, that, that changes the game. Putting your feet in the dirt is like, is the, the cheapest, healthiest thing you can do for yourself. You know, <laughs> it's, it's so like true. people are like, I got to buy these new, you know, robotic massage pumpers for my <laughs> quads and glutes. It's only 600 bucks, but it's sure to fix me. And it's like, no, just put your feet in the fucking grass, you know? Like that's, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's kind of what all we need to do sometimes. Dude, I feel like vitamin G, man, vitamin ground. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Bro, what about, um, let's talk about love for a bit. Whose love did you crave most going up and who did you have to be to get it? Mm. Ooh, yeah, that is a deep one. So for me, it was craving the love from my mother. Um, my dad was very supportive. Um, he was very nurturing mm. and he was like always there for me. But my mom, you know, I think she, she, she kind of like, through her own pain could not really support or love me in my toughest times. Like she wouldn't even visit me in juvenile detention because she couldn't handle going to juvenile detention, you know? And the first time I went, I was 14 years old. Right. So, you know, being 14 and having your mom be like, nah, I'm not mm. going to come see you locked up in this cage. It, it's kind of, you know, that, that kind of really hurts. Mm. Um, and as for like, as for looking for it, it, you know, for me, it was like that crave of feminine attention, that crave of feminine nurture. So for me, it was like, you know, I used sex and I used like all these other different ways for me to like, you know, justify being a misogynistic dude when I was younger, you know, it was like, so that's how I really kind of like craved and, and re, you know, went That's for that and, and searched for it, you know? So for me, it was like, I didn't get the nurture that I wanted. So I went out and tried to find it myself because my mom was never really available either emotionally mm -hmm. or physically uh, because she just couldn't handle my energy and being around me. So, you know, I was a bad boy. I was, you know, good looking. I was kind of like, you know, cool. So the easy thing for me to do was to just go and, and have tons of different sexual relationships and, partnerships and all kinds of stuff mm. yeah. yeah i can relate man thanks for sharing that mm -hmm. what was the lowest point in your life and was suicide ever an option for you mm. yeah so for me it's, it's hard to classify the lowest um mm. because I, I really had two very very low points okay. um you know, throughout my, you know, all of my teenage years, I had this realization in meditation and through a lot of the work that I've been doing um, that I was always trying to kill myself when I was younger. You know, I had, uh, it wasn't like an intentional, I'm going to go and, and, you know, pull the trigger of this gun and, you know, shoot myself in the head. It was like, it was like, ah, oh, you guys don't think I can take 10 hits ecstasy. All right, I'll show you, you know, and, and I would take 10 hits ecstasy or, you know, they'd be like, Cam, you need to slow down. And I would, you know, buy another eight ball of Coke. And so I was always trying to mix drugs and get as messed up as I possibly could so that I was, I was, you know, enter a state of complete numbness. And, and more recently as the work I've been doing, I was just like, that was me trying to exit. Yeah, you know, that yeah. was me trying to leave. And for some reason it never happened, you know, like yeah. the amount of drugs I took when I was younger, it's like, you know, it should have killed a horse, mm -hmm. let alone myself. So um, you know, that was a big part of it. That was a huge low. Um, but it didn't really ever hit as low as when I was in finance. And, uh, I just kind of, 
you know, I had everything that I thought I ever wanted. I started using drugs again. I started drinking again. You know, I'd go on these all expenses paid trips because I was a top producer at the company, you know, and I would just like, I would just do every, you know, all different kinds of disgusting things to, you know, just make myself feel better about myself. And I got back from one of those trips one year and I was sick and I felt like crap. I had been on Xanax and Ativan and Coke and drank. And it was just like, I was just a complete mess Mm. and um, decided at that point to kind of have a complete ego death and let it all go. And in that ego death, I was really freaking close, man. That was the, those were the darkest six months of my life. Left the finance game. You know, my partner left me. Well, I, it was, yeah, that was a very interesting situation. She left me. I left her. It was a very, very wild situation. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I start, you know, I was getting rid of my apartment. I stopped coaching CrossFit. I was letting my whole body go that I had spent three years building mm. and I just entered serious depression. Wow, wow, man. And you were just, and you were feeling like, what's the point? Um, yeah, no I point. was like, well, cause I got, I, I had everything that society had told me was going to bring me happiness. You know, I was like, I was this, you know, troublemaker kid that made it out of that lifestyle through so much hard work and so much kind of like judgment and challenge mm. to finally go back and finish school and get my degree and graduate with honors and do all these things. And then become this, you know, this businessman, have the truck, have the suits, have the watch, have the, this, have the, that be on this trajectory you know, for success and feeling empty inside, I was just like, what the fuck is the point of life? Like what, like, really, why are we even doing this? You know? Um, and, and if it wasn't for spirituality, I don't know if we'd be having this conversation, you know, Mm, that's powerful, brother. Thank you for sharing that, man. I totally feel that, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there right now going through this and this is a common theme. It's like when you lose completely all your identity, but I, like what I've noticed is that if people don't come back to a base belief of a higher intelligence, like you say, spirituality, you believe you're alone forever and there's no point. And that's what I'm seeing is like this number one thing. If you just connect to something greater and you see like the 12 steps, you know, they all find um, that path similar to like, you know, Jesus or the Christ and, and they, they follow him and it's beautiful. It gives hope. It gives faith. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm seeing. Anyway, man, it's very interesting how it's been shown to me lately. Very powerful. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I, I went into Alcoholics Anonymous in that time. Like that's what, that's what saved me. I didn't stay in it because it wasn't for me. Um, but I got a sponsor and I, I started seeing, he, he challenged me. He said, do a spreadsheet. He said, sit down and write down all the things that you've done wrong in your life. And just like had me like learn to, to analyze my past and what I had done. And, and, also learned to know that it wasn't all just my fault. You know, it was like, it was, it was pain. It was suffering. It was trauma. It was this, it was that. And so, you know, huge shout out to those programs for giving people that outlet because they save, you know, hundreds of thousands, probably millions of lives a year. Um, you know, and, uh, and it's all, all governed around a higher power. So I think you're spot on, dude. Mm, Beautiful, man. What about mm. the moment of awakening for you? The significant moment of awakening. Explain mm. that for me. Yeah. So there were two. I just chose to ignore the first one. And the first one was, was the most, was the most powerful, like, and, and I'll, you know, I'll tell you kind of a, 
a, a, a bit of the story because I can't go too too deep into it um, because I don't I don't know what kind of rating is on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but you know, I was I was living in the downtown east side of Vancouver. We had you know two houses. I'll let your imagine imagination run wild with why we had two houses. But we had we had two set up in kind of the drug capital of North America. Um, you know, we were. We, we were making money. We were doing a ton of crazy shit that I, I can't even get into right now. Um, and I remember I went out for Vietnamese food and I sat down at, at the Vietnamese restaurant where, you know, every single gangster and their dog would go and eat. Mm. And I ordered my, my beef pho and I got, you know, my strawberry milkshake with condensed milk and I drank it. And I left that restaurant and I just got hit with a lightning bolt in the middle of my forehead crossing the street about three blocks away from my house. And I stood there and I couldn't move, man. And this was before I knew about spirituality. This is, this is before any of that, you know, like I would have been, I must've been probably 19 at the time, you know, was just fresh out of jail. Um, and, and, and was just kind of like, you know, getting right back into it. And I got hit with this lightning bolt and I stood there and I couldn't move. And finally, when that stopped, I just, I just kind of like came to, and I walked into the house that I was, you know, in with my, my one partner. And I basically walked up to him. I handed him all my cash, all my stuff, everything that I owned. I packed my backpack and I said, you can have everything that I've created, everything that I've built in this with you, the car, the, this, the, that I'm out. And I don't know why. Still to this day, I could not tell you why I wasn't, you know, I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't listening to Eckhart Tolle back then. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't rocking out to the power of now. There was no, like, there was no Gabby Bernstein chanting me, you know, into that awakening. It was like full on straight up, you know, like, like hoodlum just a cam has just a yeah, shock just in a the forehead, man. Lightning bolt. And I was just like, okay. And I left and, um, not too long after those doors got kicked in and wow. by the SWAT team. And, um, that human that was in those places is, is still on the run today. So, you know, without going into detail, like I said, um, whatever the hell that was saved my life because I was 19. I had a rap sheet this thick. If I had gotten caught for that, I would have been right back into adult penitentiary and who knows where my life would have gone after that. So you know, every time I tell that story, I get goosebumps and I, I feel all, all, all wild and crazy. Um, but that, that anchored in my the spirituality. Next change. And you were like, Most did definitely. you start researching into more things of like what that could have been? Or was nah, it so, so what happened was I just went full into like work mode. I was like, all right. And dude, I was, you know, I, I guess I was 20 at that point. I was 19, 20. I can't remember exactly, but I, I went applied as a dishwasher at a restaurant. I started washing dishes for minimum wage as a 20 year old high school dropout. And I just worked my ass off for 14 months to become a line cook. And then I worked up to becoming first cook. And then I became sous chef of that restaurant. So I just put everything I could into learning how to cook and move and do all of that. Mm. And that brought me to business school. And then that was the catalyst. That was a catalyst moment to turn my life around. Um, and then I got pulled back into a lot of those old tendencies in the finance world where I started making money again. My ego came back, you know, and um, that energy was still in you for sure. I hadn't shifted it. I hadn't moved it. Mm. And, uh, 
And, and then it happened, you know, it wasn't as stark, but when I hit that rock bottom, when I was in finance, when I was about, I would have been what, you know, 20, 27, probably when I hit that rock bottom for the second time, I knew that that thing was there. I knew that whatever was there was looking out for me. And that's what prompted me to go on my phone and Google like free meditation and just start listening to that every morning. Mm. You know, and I listened to the same meditation every day for weeks and weeks and weeks until I got out of that darkness. And then my friend came up and handed me the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. And he was like, something intuitively told me that you needed to read this right now. A person I hadn't talked to since business school. Um, And then the moment I read that book, I was just like, I was, I was gone. I was like, yeah, this is it. This is what I felt my whole life and haven't been able to talk about. Yeah. And ever since it's just been boom, deep, 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 yeah. deep. Knowing what you know now, what do you feel that, that, that shock was that lightning bolt? Oh man, it's my guides, man. It was my higher yeah. self. It was like, it was like, bro, this is not the direction you're supposed to go in. And, and whatever, whatever it was, it was like, you know, it was like, all right, Cam needs a slap in the face right now. Mm. And he actually needs me to go in and rewire his brain because he's acting a fool. Mm-hmm. So let's go and let's go and shock his system. Mm-hmm. It was like I was possessed, man. It, it, honestly, at the time, I was just like, I don't even know why I'm doing this, but I got it. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, that's so awesome, man. What healing? Yeah. What healing was the? What healing modality was the biggest part of your journey, man? What helped you most? Meditation at first. Yeah, you mentioned that. So I, yeah, I'd say meditation was kind of like the, meditation was, was, you know, the, was an analogy I could think of, you know, meditation was the stone and then breath work was the slingshot. You know, it was like meditation was a stone. It's like, wow, okay, this is a cool thing. And then, and then I did a session with Mr. Lucas Mack, you know, he brought me into a deep breath work session in Bali and just slingshotted me to the cosmos. I was like, oh Yeah. Okay, had a full on conversation with my higher self, saw, you know, my inner child just went deep into that. And I was like, this shit, I can't avoid this anymore. I'm tapped into something and I have to follow it. And I've been following it ever since. Mm, That's awesome, man. That's awesome. That's probably why you're you're helping others do that. Now, those two things have helped you most. You're sharing them, right? There you go. Exactly, my friend. What about your friend group, brother? We've got a few questions left. Mm. What, What happened as you've changed to your friend group? Yeah, it's changed a lot, dude. Like a lot. It's um it's kind of non-existent. There's a couple people that I speak to from my past that uh excuse me, can kind of, you know, talk to me now. But um for the most part, they're they're gone. Mm. You know, they're really gone. Now, the friends that I have now, you know, fine humans like yourself are you know, their, their next level. So it took me a long time and it still is taking me a long time. Like I don't have a lot of close friends where we are right now. Cause I don't just want friends for shooting the shit and, and grabbing a beer. I want depth. I want connection, you know? So it gets lonely sometimes. Mm. It really, really does. And it, it did for me, you know, it really, really did. Um, but you need that loneliness. You need that isolation to do the work that's required so that you're not distracted or, or, you know, fed any bias and you're allowed to just kind of stew in your shit. Yeah. You know, sadly. Totally, brother. Yeah. I feel that too, man. I can relate with that. There's definitely, mm-hmm. it, it definitely goes to a point, And I think you'll agree over quality, not quantity. Yeah. For sure. 100%. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, beautiful brother. What part of this conscious journey you're most grateful for, man? I'd say to truly be able to like feel my heart, man. <laughs> you know, like to to really allow for myself to feel emotion, to feel empathy, to feel love. Um, yeah, to just, to just really be able to feel something more and get out of my head. You know, I think, I think that's really what it is. It's like, there's this kind of like beautiful feeling of freedom when you find that level of consciousness or when you find a, a thread of consciousness that's aligned with your journey that just like you just stop giving a shit about the stuff that doesn't matter you know and you get pulled into it as we all do every once in a while because we're we're freaking targeted with marketing and all kinds of crazy shit but but it's like it's this feeling of trust and love and being that like no matter what everything's going to be okay and that that feeling is is something that you know you, you can't you can't find anywhere else you know you have to tap into this level of being um and if it wasn't for me feeling that i wouldn't have found my partner and then all those other beautiful manifestations mm. that come from that right so you know it's really truly being able to feel that trust feel that love feel that lightness um and just allow for myself to live from that place as much as i possibly can mm. i love that prayer I love it, man. Last question for you. What's one tip that you would give your old self who's just starting this journey? Hmm. It's also a tough one because, you know, I think I had to go through it. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be where I am right now if I hadn't gone through it. So, you know, I think, I think a, instead of a tip, I would have just said like, you know, bro, like you're going to go through this. You're going to learn. You're going to be strong. It's going to be hard as fuck. And you're going to really question what you're doing in your existence many times, but you're loved and you're supported mm. and someone really gives a shit, mm. you know? And like I said, at the beginning with my quote, you know, you must first be broken before the light shines through. I wouldn't change a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, people ask me if I'm, if I, you know, I regret the stuff that I've done in my life. And I say, no, because if I hadn't have done those things, I would not have the perspective that I do now on life. And I would not have this love to give back to community, this love to give back to humans and this love to share. So I don't regret one thing because everyone was just on their own journey that came in contact with me, good or bad. And we're all just evolving, shifting and growing. So it would just be a reminder that he's loved, he's supported and learned from it. That's mm -hmm. it. Man, wise words, brother, wise words. Thank you very much for your time, Cam, for sharing your story, for mm -hmm. sharing your wisdom, for being real, being vulnerable, being raw, man. Of course, bro. You're a beautiful man, brother, and it's an honor to be able to walk this path with you, man. Likewise, my friend. Thanks for doing the work that you do. This is a beautiful, beautiful initiative. Happy to be a part of it. No worries, brothers. You're welcome. Thank you to everyone for listening. And if you do have any questions after this profound episode, please reach out to Cam or myself in the show notes. You'll see the links. Much love, everyone. Take care. Peace out. Stay safe.
love it, just be I got love in my eyes, bro, I can't see I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking my old self away Yeah, I put love into me I'm spreading that love, yo, don't you see Grab your cacao and drink it with me Cause wokeness is taking my old self away Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Bring love and just me Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Bring love and just me